1: the police calling all cars, the against an all-fired road that's just to be started moving. a well-dressed woman found in the vacant lot to West a dressed That's all. That night, there are thousands of police and sheriff's cars out on the streets and roads, pursuing criminals or cruising watchfully, ready to dash with sirens to the scene of any emergency. No ordinary gasoline is good enough for these emergency cars. More of them are powered with real branded cracked gasoline, everywhere obtainable than any other brand. And the reason for this pronounced preference is that the police have tested all brands of gasoline in their emergency cars. And they have yet to find any gasoline which will exceed the performance of Rio Grande de Cracks. You can make these same tests in your own car and discover for yourself why Rio Grande de Cracks gasoline is the choice of the leading cities and counties of the West. Go to the independent service station in your neighborhood and fill up with Rio Grande de Cracks. You will feel the difference just as soon as your former gasoline moves up and Rio Grande de Cracks reaches your carburetor. Your car takes on new life, new liveliness. You accelerators never before. You brings up hills that formerly slowed you down and made you shift gears. Your car runs smoother, quieter. Real Grande Cracked gasoline ignites at the touch of the starter, rolls into action. And when you speed ahead of the traffic, you will realize at last what we mean when we promise you police car performance with Real Grande Cracked gasoline. Once more, it is our pleasure to introduce H.S. Siger, Chief of Detectives of the Los Angeles Police Department. Chief Siger. Good evening, friends. Murder or suicide? That is often the question that police officers must answer, and answer quickly when they start investigating a death. Because there is sometimes such a fine line distinguishing self-destruction from murder, it is difficult for the police to act quickly in order that justice may be done. It is necessary for all police officers, and particularly the detectives, to be trained in such a manner that they may judge at once the nature of the case they are investigating. In tonight's broadcast, an example of keen detective work and persistence on the part of one of our force is narrated. We want you to listen with particular care to this story that has been selected for this evening. That's every word of it as it is spoken by the players in this drama. And I believe that such close attention will conjure up in your mind how easily, in some cases, even murderers might escape if it were not for the eternal vigilance of observing and intelligent law enforcement officers who see the truth behind evidence which untrained observers would either misconstrue or disregard entirely. No matter how cleverly a criminal may cover his crime, Justice is inevitable when policemen are trained efficiently and have the cooperation of the public. Tonight's story brings this back home to you. One evening in late summer, several years ago, Mrs. Maud Kennedy, a widow, her son, his wife, and Bert Normandy, a boarder, ordered dinner in their home on 21st Street when the phone rang.
2: I'll get it. Hello?
3: speak to
2: please. Uh, just a minute, please. It's for you, Mother. Who is it? I don't know, some man. Yeah, it's for you, Mother, dinner. Ask her to call back. I'm sorry, but she's at dinner. But I've
1: got to talk to her
2: will not you call back later. No, it's important, I tell you. Yeah. I've got to talk to her right now. Very well. I'll see if she can come to
3: the
2: phone. Mother,
3: he says it's very
2: important. Oh, all right. Hello? This is Percy, Martin, Martin. Oh, hello, dear. I've got to see you, Martin. No, why didn't you drop over? I'll be here. No, I want to see
1: you alone. You'll
2: have to meet me somewhere. Oh, well, I can't do that. I've got some friends coming in this That's evening. Martin
1: meeting, do you understand? Oh, but Percy, I... You
2: wouldn't want any trouble, would you? Oh, no,
1: no, don't do that. All right, then. Well, where
2: shall I meet you? In the
1: corner
2: of 6th Avenue
1: and West as soon as you can. Very well, I'll be right out. Well, i get be Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. What's the trouble, Mother? You look worried. Oh, oh it's nothing. Who is that on the phone? Just uh, a friend of mine. Aren't you going to see me dinner, Mother? No, I, I don't feel like it. I, I, I'm not that hungry now, and I... I have to go out for a while, anyway. Are you going to be gone long? No, I'll be back in about a half hour. The students are t- dropping in, you know.
1: Well, I wish you'd do one thing, Mother. What's that? Please don't wear all those diamonds. Why not? It isn't safe. Philip's right, Maud. You risk your life every time you go out with that small fortune on your fingers. Oh, that's really? No, it isn't, Mother. It makes me nervous every time you go out alone at night.
2: Well, even if it is fingers, I'm not going to stop wearing my diamonds.
1: I love them. Well, if you insist on wearing them, let me go along with you. Oh, no, you can't do that. Please. Why not? I've got some business to do, uh, a personal business. Oh, very well, then. But I wish you'd leave those diamonds at home. They're going to get you in trouble one of these nights. A few moments later, Mrs. Kennedy meets the man who telephoned her. The rendezvous is in what well, at that time is a thinly settled section of town. The houses are few and far between. The streets
2: Percy, what is it this time?
1: I've got to have some money, man.
2: Oh, I thought so. I suppose you spent that five dollars I lent you yesterday. Yeah, it's nearly
1: gone. I've got to have more. I've got to get married. Get married? How can you get married? You haven't even got a job. don't. Yeah, I'm a regular girl and I want to marry you. I've got a job somewhere. You've got to give me the money to get married on. I
2: can't. I haven't any money.
1: Oh, ah, come on now, Maude. Don't hand me that.
2: I haven't, Percy. And Bill, they're you your poker the other night.
1: Maude, did you understand what I said? I've got to have money. You, uh, wouldn't want me to tell Philip about all that dough you lose at poker, would you?
2: Oh, oh, you wouldn't.
1: I might. The little boy wouldn't think so highly of his mother, then, would he? Oh,
2: Percy, don't do that. Please don't.
1: Yeah, it's worth something to keep me quiet, isn't it? Yes, I, I
2: suppose it is, but... I've been telling you the truth. I really mean, haven't got any money, really. Well,
1: how about those diamonds? We could sell a couple of them. That'd be all I need now.
2: Sell my diamonds? Oh no, no, I can't do that. Well, those diamonds mean everything to me.
1: Oh, I know. I guess they mean more to you than your own son's opinion of you,
2: eh? I don't I see how you can treat me like this after all I've done for you. I, I don't think you're a friend of mine. Yeah,
1: I am. Maybe I'm a little too hasty. I know how you feel about your diamonds. I sort the of thought, though, that I could depend on you. But if you haven't any choice, well, so that's that. But
2: what you understand, how it Don't you... Perfume...
1: Oh, sure, so let's forget all about it.
2: And you won't uh, tell Philip anything?
1: No. What kind of a guy do you think I am? <laughs> well, just to show you I'm a friend of yours, I, I bought some perfume for you with the last of that money you gave me yesterday.
2: Perfume? Oh, it's nice of you to. Here
1: it is. You want nice.
2: Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, take here, take a
1: sip. I've got some ice. It's
2: just a glass. It's just a glass. Drink it,
3: Martha.
1: Drink it, Martha. Drink it,
3: Martha. I'll
1: force it down your throat and then you'll go to sleep. Yeah, nice long sleep. back on this vacant lot here where no one's liable to find you for a while. Mm. I, I knew you'd be wearing the Ike, Maud. Mm. I could depend on that, couldn't I, my dear friend? <laughs> mm. You've got all of it on. Even the one I pawned, to you? That's nice, Maud. Mm. Now, if you don't mind, I'll you'll leave you, leave you. I don't think you'll need them where you're going. I'll just leave you that wedding ring and a couple of small sparklers so it won't look like robbery. (laughs) Well, Mark. Thanks, old kid. So long. The body of Mrs. Kennedy is not discovered until the next day. The police doctor has already examined the body when Captain of Detectives mm-hmm. J. A. Wynn arrives on the scene from headquarters.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Doctor, what's the diagnosis? Strangulation induced by ammonia or a similar liquid, followed a suicidal intent. Is there really was no reason for you to come out. Just an ordinary suicide. What makes you think so? Well, there's no evidence of criminal assault. No sign of the struggle. Robbery was not the motive for well, she's wearing two diamond rings and a wedding band. Obviously, it's suicide. Perhaps. But if it's suicide, can you explain what happened to her shoe and her gloves? Observed that they're missing? Oh, I uh, hadn't noticed that. Oh, I see. Uh, well, suppose we look around a bit. All right. <clears throat> ah, here we are, Doctor. A clump of weeds. The a shoe, a string of seeds, and the gloves. Well, there's plenty of feet from the body. Look, I should say the way these weeds are trampled down would indicate quite a struggle, wouldn't you, doctor? Well, maybe. <laughs> now, this woman had committed suicide on the spot where the body was found. How did the slipper and the glove and the beads get here? On the other hand, if she was murdered at this spot, why well, was the body moved over there. I'm not at all satisfied that this, is, that this is the case of suicide. I'm going to work on the assumption that it's murder. Mm. Captain Wynne's conviction. The coroner pronounces the death a suicide. Through a safe deposit box key found on her person, the victim is identified as Mrs. Maude Kennedy. Captain Wynne has the unfortunate task of breaking the news to Mrs. Kennedy's son and daughter-in-law. After they have recovered somewhat from the shock of Wynne's tragic announcement, the detective question. I'm terribly sorry to intrude upon your grief like this, but you realize, of course, how important it is to get at the bottom of this thing as quickly as possible. Naturally, Captain. Why well, do you say you don't believe in this suicide theory, That's ridiculous. Mother would never commit suicide. Well, I don't believe she did. Under the circumstances of the discovery of the body, I think she was murdered. Oh. I'm sorry to be so blunt. Forgive me. Now, will you please tell me what happened the last time you saw her? Well, you at dinner last night when she was called to the phone. When we came to the phone, it seemed to you to party Well. And she left the table and went out, thinking she would not belong. Did your mother worn any other jewels And the two diamond rings found on her fingers? Yes, plenty of them. Diamonds were her weakness. <laughs> she was known around here as a lady of the diamond. I warned her often about wearing them. My... i wonder what been really sure about life. Mr. Kennedy, please. <laughs> please, try to control yourself.
3: It's
1: most important that we we'll get to the bottom of this
3: thing, you know. I'm
2: sorry.
1: I'll do my best you know of anyone who might have a motive other than robbery for her murder? No. Everyone loved Mother. Had she had any disagreements with anyone? No. Had she reported any strange or suspicious happenings in her life recently? No. She, she likes everyone. Everyone likes her. And Mr. Kennedy, could you give me a list of the diamonds <sighs> which your mother wore when she left the house? Yes, I it was a 4 carat solitaire. <laughs> Returning to headquarters, Captain Wynn finds Charles Whitehead, chief nurse at the receiving hospital, waiting for him. Hello, Charlie. What's on your mind? Oh, that Kennedy case. Something I think you ought to know. What is it? Well, about 10 o'clock last night, a young fellow came into the hospital and asked if Mrs. Maud Kennedy had been injured. I asked him if Mrs. Kennedy was his wife, and he said no, She was his mother. Mm. I told him that no one by that name had been brought in, and he thanked me and left. Oh, that's peculiar. That's exactly. Oh, thanks for the tip, Charlie. I'm going to call up Kennedy and see if he was the guy. Oh, gee, heaven. Give me Jefferson, two three your oh, Hello, Mr. Kennedy. Captain Winfrey. Say, I just got a report that a young man claiming to be Mrs. Kennedy's son inquired about her at the receiving hospital last night. Did you go down there? You didn't? Oh, I see. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. <laughs> Detectives to search the neighborhood of the scene of the crime, Captain Wynne succeeds in discovering two witnesses who had heard the groans of Mrs. Kennedy. Their stories coincide and establish the time of the murder as approximately nine o'clock. Investigations among Mrs. Kennedy's many friends reveal a young woman who had been an intimate companion of the slain woman. Captain Wynne and his aides interviewer. I I was not who would do such a thing. Miss Robertson, think Now. Was there anyone who had a grudge against Mrs. Kennedy? No, I I don't think so. But there was Kid Riley. Who's Kid Riley? Well, he was a uh, firefighter.
2: He was very much in love with Maud, and she was a little afraid of him because he had such a compelling uh, influence on her. Of course, she realized he wasn't her kind, and
1: yet he held a fascination for it. She couldn't escape. Possibly he was a man we're after. A firefighter, huh? She was filled with chloroform, or ammonia, the moon is used a lot on doctor training order. Boys, I want you to go out and find this kid, Riley. <laughs> I don't know what's come over the kid lately. One of him smacked that sparring partner. His noise seemed to be slapped. Yeah, uh, well, don't worry about the kid. He's been kind of worried about Joe. You snap out of it. Be... Well, I sir, uh, I forgot to tell you, there's a big guy waiting on the addressing room to see him. It's like a brick. Yeah, Riley's always in some kind of trouble. I wonder what it is this time.
0: Hey, Riley, lay off that guy before you kill him. Hey, what's the matter with you? Well, gee, Everything, I, everything I do is wrong. Now, what is it? Ain't
1: nothing wrong, kid. Hold on to your noise. Bill so says there's a guy who wants to see you in the dressing room.
0: Yeah, well, if it's one of them newspaper guys, I ain't interested. I need all the dough I got right yeah, now. This mug looks like a dick. A dick? Well, we'll tell him I'm busy. Tell him anything. Come right? on,
1: Ted. Let's see what it's all about.
0: Oh, okay. I ain't done nothing. I'll see him. Uh-huh. Did you want to see me, pal?
1: Yes, just want to ask you a couple of questions.
0: Oh, I know. Now, listen. I, I didn't have nothing to do with that liquor deal of Leslie's Mason's on the square. I was just there. Just a my... minute. I'm
1: not here about any liquor deal. This is murder. Huh? Murder? Yes, murder. Mrs. Maude Kennedy has been murdered.
0: Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That, that ain't right. Nobody killed her. Right? She seems like a woman. So, what are you trying to do? Kidding me?
1: No, we don't kid about anything. This is serious. I want an answer from you, Riley. And I want it straight. Did you see Mrs. Kennedy on the night of August thirty first?
0: The thirty first? Well, that was Thursday, was wasn't it? No, I never saw her. You went
1: over to her house, though. Huh? How'd you know? I didn't know. I just took a chance, and I was right, huh?
0: Oh, so you're trying to frame me, huh? Sure, I went over, but they never—I never killed her, and you know it. No,
1: I don't know it. You will have to have an airtight alibi if you want to get out of this thing. Hmm.
0: Listen, I never had nothing to do it. On the square, I went over there on the night of the 31st. I phoned her about 7.15. 7.15? Seven, yeah, yeah. She kept me along a while, and then she told me to come down to the house, and if I saw a light, then to come in and see her. And did you go? Yeah, I, I waited outside the house for about an hour, but she didn't show up, so I walked back home and went to bed.
1: Well, your story sounds pretty weak to me. I'm going to take you in until we've got time to investigate. It.
0: Oh no 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 no! Look, now that's the honest truth. So help me, ask my mother, ask my father; they'll tell you. They're church people; they ain't going to lie to you. You, you ain't going to hang this on. I'm innocent. They tell you. I, I tell you, I'm innocent.
1: Kid Riley brought him in question, but he proves an airtight alibi. So the investigation drives on. Suspect after suspect is taken to headquarters, questioned and freed. Normandy, the border of Mrs. Kennedy, tipped off the police to another prize fighter who was friendly with the murdered woman. This man, located in Fresno, where he was taking a bogus sketch charge, is brought back to Los Angeles. He places the suspicion on Normandy, claiming that the border had torn from Mrs. Kennedy's diamonds. Questioned again, Normandy reluctantly explains that Mrs. Kennedy was an avid poker player. And that she sometimes covered her losses by pawning her diamonds. Then, out of the welter of fruitless, threatening, and worthless clues emerges the name of Percy Tugwell. It is discovered that Tugwell had borrowed $5 from the defense the day of her death. Captain Wynne questions the manager of the garage where Tugwell was known to loaf. Yeah, Percy hung around here, but he ain't here now. Where is he? He got married. He's in Cisco, and it's honeymoon. I didn't know he could afford a trip like that. Neither did I. He ain't worked for a year. And then a couple of days ago, he shows up with a pair of tickets to Frisco, and he tells me he's gone and got hit. I
3: don't know where
1: he got that now. goes warm as Captain Win interviews a neighbor of the
2: Tudwells. Well, I ain't want to carry tales, Captain, but there's some funny business about that Tugwell boy. Why, I heard it direct from Alice Carter, who boards with the Tugwells. that Percy asked her sweetheart to sell a diamond for him. When was this? Uh-huh, just a day after Mrs. Kennedy was murdered. Asked him to sell a diamond, huh? Eh? Yes, it was unmounted. And Percy said that it belonged to his fiancée. He got $62 for it, so Alice says. You
1: know anything more about this? No, oh, that's
2: about all. Of course, I could tell you plenty about the family. Well, and I think
1: I'll talk to them myself. Mm-hmm. Captain Wynn and Lieutenant Holm interview the entire Tugwell family. Their stories are the same. Well, Mr. Tugwell, can you tell us what your son's movements were on the night of August thirty-first? Why, were
0: well, well, you? Yeah. He and Selma, his girl, were here for supper. Uh, and after supper, they had a little argument because Percy uh, wanted to go out to the garage
1: and say goodbye to the gang. And Thurman said that he, that he cared more for the gang than he did for her. Anyway, uh, at first he went. What time was that? Uh, about seven o'clock, I should say. And what time did he get back? I guess it was long, about uh, about eight thirty, no
0: later. He comes back in, and film and him pack up their little bag.
1: Where well, is Percy staying in San Francisco? Uh, uh,
0: I, I think he's at the Bayview Hotel.
1: Very well, Mister Douglas. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, not at all. Uh, but would you mind telling me what all this? here question is all about. Oh, we're just trying to complete a report, Mr. Tugwell. Good night. Well, mother, sister, brother, and father all tell the same story. Yeah. If we're telling the truth, I think to eliminate Tugwell. But Mr. Kennedy, Mrs. Kennedy was murdered at nine o'clock and he was back home at eight thirty. He's got a pretty tight alibi. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. When you consider that the scene of the murder must be five miles from the Tugwell house. Just the same. I want to talk to this Tugwell. You better leave for Fritz tonight and bring him back with you. All right. In the meantime, I'm going to see if any of the streetcar conductors who are working West Jefferson on the night of the murder can identify this picture of Tugwell we get from the family. <laughs> with home on the trail of Tugwell in San Francisco, we'll in interview the streetcar conductors. You were working on the West Jefferson between the hours of 7 and 9 on the night of August the 31st? Yes, sir. Do you recognize the man in this picture as one of the passengers we carried that night? Oh, let me see. No, no, I don't think so. I never saw him before, huh? Mm, nope, I never did. All right, that's all. Thanks for coming in. You're welcome, Captain. <coughs> well, we're not getting any place in this line. That's the 15th conductor. Sir. Pardon, Captain. Telegram, sir. Oh, thanks, Sergeant. Probably from oh. Lieutenant Holman, San Francisco. What's oh, with a lump of peace. What is it? Listen to this. Place a man in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Philip Kennedy. They're accused of being involved in the murder. He'll arrive in Los Angeles with Percy Tugwell in the morning. Can you imagine that? But you can't go out and arrest him on a say all like that. I don't intend to. I'm going to call Lieutenant Holman, San Francisco, and find out what this is all about. <laughs> Lieutenant Holm in San Francisco. Captain Win gets the details of Oswald's accusation. Equipped with his information, he and an assistant wait for the Kennedy home. Philip Kennedy and Mister. Oh, good evening, Captain. Come in. Thanks. Are there uh, any any developments in the case? Yes, Mister Kennedy. There are. Your wife here and Mister Normandy? Yes, they're here. I'd like to talk to them too. Very so, well. I'll I'll get them. Well...
2: Captain, we'll want
1: to see you in birth minute. Do Good evening, Captain. Mm. Good evening, Good evening. Now that the three of you are here, I regret to inform you that I have to place you under arrest. Oh, On what charge? The suspicion of murder. What? That's ridiculous. Who made this charge? Percy Tugwell. Tugwell? Tugwell was arrested in San Francisco today and will be here in the morning. Then we can clear this thing up. In the meantime, I'll have to place an officer here. Then how could Tugwell implicate us? He claims that on the night of Mrs. Kennedy's death, he called here. During his visit, you two gentlemen became involved in a fight. Mrs. Kennedy, according to his story, in attempting to separate you, was knocked unconscious. Why, that's ridiculous. Then your wife here, attempting to resuscitate her, gave an overdose of ammonia, causing her death. Well, that's preposterous! Well, that's hysteric. Then he said that you, Mr. Kennedy, had forced Mr. Normandy and himself to take the body to the vacant lot where it was found. But he share in disposing of the body... He says he was given a diamond. Well, a story is so fantastic, Captain, that it seems ridiculous to attempt to refute it. You've already got our statements. They're true. I didn't see Pugwell here the night of Mrs. Kennedy's death, nor did I see him the next day. There was no fight, and no one administered ammonia in my presence.
2: Percy Pugwell is a miserable liar. I want to meet him face to face and dare him to try and lay a suspicion of murder against my husband. Herb Philip loves his mother better than anything on earth. Better even than me.
3: Tugwell's
1: trying to let the blame on us because he killed him himself. Drawed back to Low Time to Percy Tugwell reiterates his version of the murder. Police doubt his preposterous story. Deputy District Attorney Joseph Ford attempts to break down Tugwell's statement. For five hours, Tugwell is questioned. And then he finally
3: admits,
1: uh, killed him." Okay. I threw her to that vacant lot and killed her with chloroform. I told her I had some perfume and asked her if she wanted to smell it. When she took the bottle, I grabbed her by the throat and forced her to swallow the contents. I wanted to get married, and I needed the money to finance my honeymoon. I was given something to eat and sent to bed. The next morning, he sends for the detectives and repudiates his confession of the night before. Bill Kennedy killed his mother. I confessed last night to shield him. Why should I take the rap for him? <laughs> Bill sent me a note on the evening of her death, and I met him on the West Jefferson Street car and got off at Sixth Avenue. We met his mother, and Bill killed her. I got a diamond for my shirt. no doubt in the world that Tugwell's guilty. The only question is whether Philip Kennedy was in on the deal. It's personally, I doubt it. But let's bring the two of them face to face. That's a good idea. All right, Tugwell. I want to repeat your statement before Mr. Kennedy here. Yeah. Well, he uh, sent me a note, and I met him on the Jefferson Street car. We met his mother at the corner of 6th Avenue. Still killed her, and I got a diamond. No lie, Tugwell, you never saw me out there. Tell the truth. Tell the Wait truth, minute, out of you. Wait a minute. What oh, you know. are you doing?
3: accusing me of telling my own mother. Hold oh. oh. yourself together, Kennedy. Take him out,
1: will you, John? Based by Philip's wife and Normandy, repeat her previous testimony, Tugwell begins to weaken Finally, he speaks to the gun home. Uh, I want to tell the truth Lieutenant. If I do, it means the rope to someone. Well, you better get it off your conscience, Well, You'll feel a lot better if you do. Then bring Phil back. Okay. And Mr. Kennedy, will you come in, please? Tugwell has something to say, Mr. Kennedy. He wants you to hit it. I did it, so.
3: I want to apologize. Will you shake my hand. Why, you... No.
1: Philip Kennedy, his wife, and De Normandy were released immediately from custody. And four months and a half after Mrs. Kennedy's death, Tugwell went on trial in Superior Court. The jury, after five-hour deadlock, returned a verdict of guilty, and Tugwell was sentenced to life imprisonment in San Quentin Penitentiary. Thank you, Chief Figure. Ladies and gentlemen, among the boys and girls listening tonight, thousands have joined the junior police department and are now wearing police badges, carrying handcuffs, firing whistles, and guns. Many have detective fingerprint outfits, microscopes, and other valuable articles, all given away free by the Rio Grande Oil Company. We invite every boy and girl listening who has not already joined to go at once to the service station in your neighborhood featuring Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. Ask for a free copy of the Calling All Cars News. You will find the 14 free gifts illustrated there, and you will learn how you can get the complete junior detective outfit absolutely free. Every motorist can help some boy or girl get these valuable gifts merely by using Rio Grande cracked gasoline, the same gasoline that's used by the police cars, the ambulance, the fire engines, and other emergency equipment of the leading cities and counties in the West. Drive into the Rio Grande station. Get a tank full of police car performance. And if you're going to enjoy the full thrill of greater speed, faster acceleration, and instantaneous starting, protect your engine with Sinclair motor oil. All Rio Grande dealers feature Sinclair oils because they can guarantee you. No matter how fast you go, Sinclair motor oil guarantees you perfect lubrication. All wax, petroleum jelly, impurities have been extracted. No matter how much you pay, you can't possibly buy better motor oil than Sinclair. And your real Grande dealer has it as low as 25 cents a quart. Mm-hmm. I'm Frederick Linsley, giving you good night for the Rio
3: Grande Oil Company.